Children, you may make your way to Children's Church. The rest of you, I invite you to take your Bible and take and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. You know, I made the statement earlier about uh, kids being up here leading us in worship. And I was, I was the kid. I was the kid. I'll just go ahead and admit it. All right. I was the kid that was jumping around and trying to poke at other kids and do some of that, all right? I was that kid. I was also the preacher's kid, which made it really fun. But I heard about when I got home all all the time. Son, you're you're supposed to sing the songs. Well, I know, Mom, but uh, I was singing the song. No, you were trying to tackle Andrew over there. Okay, yeah, I was trying to do that. But I tell you this. I'm still that way a little bit in worship. The Lord has an amazing way of putting things together, and He's done so again this morning. And as I sat and as I listened to the songs, now granted, I I want you to understand something, okay? There are times that Melissa and I will collaborate on on what is happening in worship. Um, This Sunday was not one of those. Uh, I didn't know the music that was going to be played. I, 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 I knew a couple of the songs to start because I was in here listening. Uh, I didn't know the music. But I want to tell you that God has a plan for somebody today because that worship set, that set of songs goes right in hand with what we're getting ready to talk about. And so I don't know if it's you, I don't know if it's me, but somebody needs to hear this message today, so we might ought to listen up, okay? So with that in mind, I want you to bear with me. As we proceed through today's five words, we're going to close out this series that we've been going through in January. We talked about how nothing will happen without prayer. We must pray first. We must seek the Lord first. Then we talked about all things for His glory. We will do nothing apart from the glory of God. We will do nothing that benefits man. We will do nothing that benefits ourselves. We will do all that benefits the glory of God. And then we talked about old dogs and new tricks. And we talked about how some of us are so stuck and stubborn that we forget that God uses a new way. He produces a new wineskin from time to time. And then we talked about new dogs and old tricks. And we were reminded that God, there are things about God that does not change. And we walked through Moses and Joshua and the changing of the guard there. Today I want to close with this. Change is difficult Every time. Change is difficult every time. A businessman who had been through several years of depression decided he needed a vacation. And when he discussed the matter with his wife, she said that she wanted to go along with him on this trip that he was planning to take around the world. He agreed and then she added that she would like to take her mother along. He was not certain that he wished to take his mother-in-law along with him on a trip around the world for his health, his mental health. They argued about it for a while, and the argument was finally compromised, and the three of them went on a trip. One day when they were in Central Africa, halfway around the world, camping out in the open, they rose in the morning, and lo and behold, the mother-in-law was missing. They looked for her for several hours and finally found her standing in a cleared spot in a dense forest with a mountain lion about 10 feet away, roaring loudly. 
The wife cried, John, John, what shall we do? And John carefully looked the situation over, meditated for it on a moment and said, Mary, it looks to me as if that lion has got himself into this mess. Let him figure out how to get himself out. Much like this lion, I want to get in and out as quickly as possible when tackling the subject of change in a Southern Baptist church. Let's read Ephesians chapter 4. I'll begin in verse 17. Would you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word? Beginning in verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off of your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you this morning. Burdened with the way that we were, with the way that we have been, ready to cast it off before you. God, I pray that this morning you would make a heart new. I pray this morning you would make a life new. I pray this morning that you would make our church new. God, that you would let us seek that which can be changed, that which you desire to change, all knowing that it is going to be difficult. God, may you be gracious in the process. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The Miller family had attended their local Southern Baptist church for a long time. And one Sunday, little Jesse was intrigued watching the ushers take up the morning offering. With the questions welling up inside of him, Jesse leaned over to his mother and asked, Mama, why do you think there is only bills and checks in the offering plate and no coins? His mother replied, oh, sweetie, that's easy. There's never any change in the Southern Baptist Church. If I may, I would like for us to escape the decades of stereotypes that come with being a Southern Baptist. And for us to look to the reality that without change we will fail, and without change we will fade, and without change we will ultimately be forgotten as a church. As we look in Ephesus this morning, I'd like for us to venture into the mind of Paul as he's writing to this new church and many new believers in Ephesus. Let's understand that many of the writings of Paul, many of the letters that came from Paul, had multiple levels to them. Here we could easily gather that some personal convictions and encouragements are present. But I believe that Paul was also writing to the church as a whole in this text. Especially when you consider the subject matter that bookends our specific verses. Paul would ultimately understand this concept of change. As his ministry and his life would change regularly. And I believe 
As a former pastor of mine always stated, everything that is alive grows. And everything that grows changes, and change causes pain every time. This concept is found in the most basic moments of life. Anyone here have or remember growing pains? Not the TV show, although it was a good one. But actual growing pains. You having some right now, Ty? No? Okay. You know why that pain and uncomfortability is there? Because of change. Your body is changing. Why are you sore the next day after working out? Your muscles are changing. Or you're out of shape. You should probably have a doctor check that out. Why do we sit and reminisce tearfully as parents thinking of our children many years ago? Tomorrow we'll celebrate Dre's 10th birthday. And Lindsay and I have had the most horrible time the last few weeks trying to figure out where the last 10 years have gone. Why? Because of change. We see change in their lives. We see change. Change isn't easy. I don't want my kids to grow up. I, I don't want to grow up. I, my mother sends me a text every Sunday morning. Ever since I became pastor, my mom has sent me a text every Sunday morning. Always something to the extent of, son, I'm praying for you as you're in the pulpit today. I love you. This morning, my mother sent me a text. Do you know what that text said? It was something so sweet, yet so, so, so frustrating at the same time. She said, son, I just want you to remember, I want to pray for you on your last day preaching as a 29-year-old. The next time you enter the pulpit, you'll be 30. And I sat in my office and I buried my hand and my head in my hands. And I thought, change, change is not easy. Change is never easy. But it's what keeps us moving, right? Author and famous advertising executive Bruce Barton said that when you are through changing, you are through. Change is what keeps us moving. It's what keeps us going. There are four things that I want us to realize about change today. With these things in mind, I believe that we can, we can all proceed onward into what the Lord has for us. In order to be able to follow the Lord's will for us as individuals and as a church, we need to understand what change is. What change is. The first thing is that change is necessary. Change is necessary. Verse 17, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles. You must. It is necessary. It is pivotal. Change is necessary. Why? Well, first change is necessary for purity. One of my favorite TV shows right now is called Forged in Fire. Anybody, anybody seen the show Forged in Fire? All the guys are like, yeah, some of the ladies too, all right. Forged in Fire. I love watching this show. 
I mean, these guys are taking hunks of metal and making really cool stuff out of them, all right? And then, by divine providence, I believe, I found another show. This show I found at about 4 o'clock in the morning when I couldn't sleep, and I think that the Lord just timed it all perfect. This, this show is called Big Giant Swords. Has anybody seen this show? Big Giant Swords. This guy, first of all, he talks in an Irish accent, which I actually don't think is his normal accent, but he just talks in that for the whole show. And he basically builds huge swords. It's awesome. You know, these swords are like six foot long. I mean, it's cool. But one of the reasons I love watching these shows is I love watching this whole idea of forging metal. Because there's something very important in the first steps of this process. If you don't have pure metal, then what you build is not going to be structurally sound. What you make of it is not going to turn out. If you do not have metal that has been refined to a point where all the impurities, most of them have been taken out, then you're going to end up with cracks in your metal. You're going to end up with blemishes. You're going to end up with spots. You're going to end up with things that will make it structurally unsound. Guys, change is necessary for purity's sake. For purity's sake. I love how Paul lines it out right here. Don't walk as the Gentiles. They're darkened in their hearts. Greedy to practice every kind of impurity. If we are going to be about change, we got to understand that God has to take us and He has to purify a little bit. Otherwise, in the end, all that's going to come out is something that's going to crack and break and bend under stress. Change is necessary for purity. It's necessary for purpose. Think about the clay and the potter. When that potter starts out, he's got a hunk of clay. It can't do anything. It can't be a bowl. Because if you pour cereal in it, it's just going to flow over the top of it. It can't be a vase because you try to put flowers, you try to put anything in it, it's just going to fall over. What has to happen? That clay has to change. Because the purpose is defined by the potter. If he wants a hunk of clay to turn into a bowl, he's the one who's going to make it that way and it's going to have purpose. Jesus talked about this. Guys, listen. God wants to use us for our purpose. But unless we're willing to change so that he can use us for that purpose, We're never going to be used. We're just going to stay a hunk of clay forever. And yes, even in clay, you have to get out the impurities. He wants to purify us. It's necessary for change. He wants us to have purpose. It's necessary for change. And it's necessary for progress. Verse 24. And to put it on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. In true righteousness and holiness. There's progress. Some of us probably would say, you know, I'm not the most righteous or holy person right now. 
that's okay. There's a progress that can be made. There's change that can happen that can get you there. I've heard a simple story of an old truck driver who told of the change that Christ had made in his life. He was asked if there was some specific way in which he was different, and after thinking on it for a second, he answered, well, when I find someone tailgating me now, I no longer drive on the shoulder to kick gravel on them. It's progress. It's small. It's in increments. It's, it's little by little, but it's progress. Change is necessary for progress. Listen, if you come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you never change, what did you do? You prayed a prayer, got dunked in the water, and that's it. Put off the old self. Put put off the ways of the Gentiles. And do what? Put on the new. Why? So that you can be created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Change is necessary for progress. Second, these are things change is not. Change is not lacking in understanding. Listen, you don't change without knowing what's going to happen. You don't change without knowing where you're headed. Changing for the sake of changing is foolish. Change is not lacking in understanding. Look at verse 18. They are darkened in their understanding. They are darkened in their understanding. You don't change just on a whim based on what you feel. You change on what you know. If we were to change based on what we feel, then a lot of us would have left Jesus a long time ago. You change on what you know. Change is not, secondly, apart from God. I love the way that Paul lines this out. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God. Alienated from the life of God. And he follows that, alienated because of their ignorance. Bunch of ignorant people. Change is not ignorant. Change doesn't just happen because you and I want it to. Change happens when there's a plan and a process in place. Change happens when there's a leader. They're alienated from God. The reason they're dark in the understanding is because they're alienated from God. Third, change is not callous and insensitive. Verse 19, they've become callous and they've given themselves up to sensuality. They've become hardened. Change is not that way. Guys, listen. If I were to come in and just say, hey, this is all the ways in which we're going to change. And I could care less about what you think about it there'd be a lot of you that would more than likely walk out the door and a few more that would come tell me what you thought. Change is sensitive to those around us. You may be sitting in that pew and you may be thinking, man, I've I've wanted to change this for so long. I've wanted this to change for so long in our church. Understand me. There may be somebody on the other side of the sanctuary that's thinking, I hope this never changes. I hope somebody never does anything to this. 
It's what started the worship wars of the 90s, of the 80s and the 90s. Somebody on this side was thinking, you know, I'd really like a lot more upbeat music and we probably should throw some drums and something in it. And somebody on the other side of the sanctuary was thinking, I hope we never get anything more than a piano and a voice. And because this one was insensitive to this one, and this one was insensitive to this one, when change happened, it brought conflict. Change is not callous or insensitive. Which brings to the next one. Change is not sensual. It's not meant to provide personal pleasure. We don't change things just because it's going to make our agenda feel good in the church. We change things because it's what He wants us to do. We don't change just because we want it. We change because it's what He wants. Change isn't greedy. It's not for selfish gain. Change is not impure. It's not impure. It doesn't come with wrong motives. You see, for so long we've seen change as a bad thing and it's because we look at this list and we think, yeah, change usually doesn't have any type of foresight. It doesn't have any type of vision into the future. Change is usually not led by any one person. Change is callous. It's very insensitive to those around us. Oftentimes we come about to change because we want personal pleasure or we want selfish gain out of it. Change is not those things. Let me tell you what change is. Look at verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with you. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such is good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God is in Christ as He forgave you. Listen, Paul wasn't necessarily just speaking to the base level. Listen, you just became a believer. This is how you should act. He's talking to the church right here. Change is truthful in verse 25. Guys, listen, if we cannot, as believers, as people walking alongside each other and walking with Jesus, if we cannot be truthful with each other about necessary change, about unnecessary change, then we have no business, no business doing this thing called church. You and I need the opportunity to be truthful with one another. We need the opportunity to put our feelings out there. Guys, if we change this, this is how I think I'm going to feel. Guys, if we don't change this, this is what I'm feeling. But then, change is also emotional. Change is emotional. We have emotions tied to things. Preacher, I don't, I don't want us to do that because that's the, way that, that's the way that we've done it. That's the way my mama did it. That's the way my grandmama did it. I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of memories doing that program. I have a lot of memories doing this particular Bible study. We have emotion tied to it. And that's okay. 
But when Paul wrote verse 26, he addressed that. Be angry and do not sin. Listen, there is a way, there is a way to be emotionally tied to something. There is a way to have a, a passion and an opinion about something without being sinful about it. There's a way to produce change without sinning. Change is accountable. It's accountable. When he goes into 28 and 29, let the thief no longer steal. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. We've got to hold each other accountable during times of change. Guys, change is hard work. Instead of thieving, why don't you tell this guy that he needs to go out and work with his hands and produce a good living? Hard work. Change is hard work. Change is encouraging. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but rather that which is good for building up. Guys, listen. In the midst of change, we need to be encouraging one another. In the midst of change, we need to be speaking to one another, making sure that everybody is okay. We need to be the ones lifting each other up, not putting each other down. Change is led by the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Change is led by the Spirit. It's not led by a man. It's not led by a group. It's not led by a class. Change isn't even led by your pastor. Change is led by the Holy Spirit as He sees fit. As God sees fit for change to come about. Change is kind. It's tender-hearted. It's forgiving. Guys, there's going to be things that change that are hard. If we have a kind and tender heart, we can progress through them. Change is personal. I want you to understand, I'm going to finish with this. Ephesians 5.1 is an important verse when you follow the end of Ephesians chapter 4. Therefore. Listen, whenever the Bible says therefore, you need to ask the question, what is that therefore? Why did he say therefore? Paul says therefore. Be imitators of God. Therefore, be imitators of God. Listen, change is personal. Change is something that happens within you and I. Change is something that God sees for us to complete alongside Him within our own life. There's a few changes that have to happen. First is the change from darkness into light. You may be here this morning and you may have never ever come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You may have never entered a relationship with Him where He could change you. The beginning of this scripture talks about the old self. Now put off the old self. Bring in the new. Jesus did this. Jesus went to a cross. And He laid down His life 
took the sin of the world, and he put down the old self. And he got up out of the grave three days later, walking in the newness of life. He offers the same to us. It's time to put to death the old. The old sin in your life. The old habits in your life. The old things that are keeping you from God. It's time to put those away. It's time to walk in the newness of life. In truth and in love. That's the first change. If you've never made that decision, you're going to have an opportunity in a moment. Second is this. Christian, listen to me. Some of us, some of us, we walked the aisle, we prayed the prayer, and we were so solid for about a week, weren't we? Maybe even a month. But we began to look at the things that God was wanting to change in our life, and we held on a little bit, didn't we? Listen, God wants to change those things. There's some things in your life, Christian, that need to change. When I say change is personal, guys, it's hard. It's difficult. Every time. What do you need to walk through this morning? To say, Lord, I I need to change this. What, What resolve do you need to have in your life to change that sinful habit? Dear lady, what do you need to do to stop gossiping? Dear husband, what do you need to do to stop looking at pornography? Dear teenager, what do you need to do to stop using that mouth for corrupting? Start using it for walking in the Lord, for building up. What change needs to happen in your life this morning? Change is difficult. But I want to tell you this. This is the last part, I promise. Change is good. Change is good. We all have such a negative connotation on change. There's so many things in our life that we don't want to change. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes change is good. If it's necessary... If it's not all the things that God doesn't want, if it is all the things that He does want, change is good. I promise you. Let the Lord change your heart. Sinner, come out of that life and walk with Jesus. Let God change your heart and I promise you. Listen, I'm not going to say everything's going to be just hunky-dory, okay, rainbows and unicorns all the time. Here's what I will say. God's going to be good at every moment. Christian, I want you to know that there's something on the other side of that change. That it's not just going to leave you empty. It's not going to leave you still wanting. But God is wanting to satisfy every need that you have. Change is good. Church, change is good. If it's necessary and if it's done right, change is so good. I've seen churches... Time and time again, I've read, I've talked with pastors, I've heard guys on the radio that their church has walked through change and done it well, done it when it was necessary, 
And God has been very good. Listen. Change. It's okay. It's good. We can do it. Let's pray together. just going to have a couple verses of invitation today. I want you to understand something. There's a moment for change. There's a moment for change. Change is a timing issue. You do the right change at the right time, it produces good results. And I want you to understand something. Your time is right now. If you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the time for change is right now. It may not be there tomorrow. It may not be there next week. The Bible says that we're not guaranteed that. The change is right now. Understand me. Christian, the time for change is right now. If you're struggling with that sin, the time to repent is right now. The time to ask the Lord to help you is right now. The time to get some help and, and some accountability is right now. Walk in it. The time for change is right now. Father God, I pray. I pray that as we worship you now during this time, I pray that you would convict our hearts where we need to change. God, thank you for con convicting my heart. For letting me see change that is needed. God, I pray that you would lead and guide us in that, that it would be led by you, led by your Spirit. God, produce change in us. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Would you stand with me as we worship?